I, you know, I really appreciated the word the Lord gave to John and, and that, that word. How many of you believe that wherever there's sin or weakness or problems, God is always greater? Greater is He. Everyone say greater is He who is within us than He that's in the world. But one thing, as the word of the Lord came, we've got to get into the right fight. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen? My problem isn't politics. It's not my neighbors. It's not my spouse. It's not my employer. uh, It's not the people in the church. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. When you get into the right fight, you'll start seeing breakthrough because you're getting behind the enemy's lines. Amen? So I just wanted to encourage That was a powerful word from the Lord. I pray if you don't take anything away from church today, remember that word today. Amen? God has great things ahead for you. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, great things are coming. Praise God. Great things. Awesome things. Well, we are going to just pray the blessing of the Lord over one of my grandchildren, little Evelyn Galligan, if Evelyn and uh, Aaron, and praise God. Praise God. Here's my little pumpkin. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and take her. And uh, praise God. We just thank God for what he's doing in this family. And uh, also, I'd like to have all of the family stand up who are here from Hawaii and Illinois. Could you all stand up? Praise God. They're all here. Praise God. And we, we just had a wedding yesterday. Jesus and Judy were married yesterday. So they were also down. Praise God. And I just wanted to read a, a, a little text. You know, the Bible says that the children are the heritage of the Lord. They're the blessing of the Lord. It says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Aaron, could you help me get my glasses? I forgot to put my glasses on. Yeah, I need to have my glasses. I don't want to drop my little elbow. There we go. Forgive me, folks. God has yet to heal my eyes here. But it says, blessed is the man or everyone, who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it will go with you, or well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, and your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, thus shall this man be blessed who fears the Lord. First of all, our children are a gift from God, aren't they? You know, it's sad. I hear sometimes where people call children baggage. They're not baggage. They're a gift from the Lord. This is not baggage. People who refer to children as baggage usually are still in a selfish world. This is a blessing to serve. And little Evelyn, she is such a joy. She's going to sing just like her mommy. 
And uh, she's just looking all over, growing up so fast. And we're just going to, you know, Jesus laid hands on the children and blessed them. Amen? And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to just pray over little Evelyn and over the parents for wisdom as they raise little Evelyn in a godly home and just ask the Lord. We just extend your hand this morning. Father, we just thank you for the gift that you give us through the life of little Evelyn. We thank you for dad and mom. We thank you, Lord, for putting your hand upon their life. And Father, we just thank you as the foundation of this home is built on a solid rock. She would give the parents wisdom as they raise little Evelyn. Lord, in the ways of the Lord, we pray that even at an early age that she would sense and she would recognize the presence of the Lord and the love of God in this home. That she would be sensitive to the drawing and the conviction in her little heart concerning the things of the Lord. The Bible says that for, as for God, his ways are perfect. And Lord, you come to bless her and the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. We ask you, Lord, that you would guide, direct, and protect her all the days of her life. Let your angels surround her, Lord. Let her life be a light that will shine and bring a positive influence to the people that her path will cross as she grows up, even at a young age. We thank you for the gift of God. We thank you for the parents, the grandparents, the cousins and sisters and brothers, Lord, and all of the family that's here. We ask you, Lord, to just be with them and strengthen them. Lord, we look to you today, and we, again, thank you for your great love in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Welcome to the family. Little Evelyn. Wow. One little jewel, isn't she? Wouldn't you rather watch her than me anyway? Praise God. I would, too. She's just too, too sweet. Yeah, we call her our little buttercup. You know. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Give them a hand as they go down. Praise God. It's been a really joy to have the family here with us this morning. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. God is so good. Amen. I, uh, can you take your Bibles just for a few minutes and turn with me into Matthew chapter 9? Matthew chapter 9 this morning. And before I get into the Word, I just I felt the Holy Spirit just... <clears throat> Just share some things with me. Yeah, our kids can go. I want to just say, I, I just felt the Lord just lay this on my heart that for some, there may be just one or two, but the Lord just impressed on me that that someone is experiencing kind of the end of something in their life, and the Lord wants you to realize that it's a day of new beginnings. And you need to realize that anytime God closes a chapter, it's because he's opening a new chapter in your life. Amen? You know, the Bible says the path of the just 
gets brighter and brighter. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. And you know, when I walk in the strength and power of the blood of Jesus, my mind is renewed. All of a sudden, God begins to restore your dreams, restores your vision. God wants you to know he has a dream for you. He has a vision for your life. You're not just existing. And someone here this morning, is you have been battling depression. The Lord wants you to know he's here to resurrect your dream this morning. He's here to blow fresh life on your ability to create and dream. Somebody has let go of their gift. God wants you to pick up that gift again. Amen? Your gifts are not to lie dormant. God has put something in your hand, and he wants that gift. He wants you to know that what he's put in your hand is a great blessing to people around you. So don't lay your gift down. Don't let go of the dream. Amen? But if, that, if that's you this morning, you say, you know, Pastor Ray, I've just kind of let my dream go. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Wow, okay. We've got a number of people. I'm here to tell you this morning, God is here to blow a fresh wind of hope. Everyone say hope. He doesn't want you to waste away in the land of, I call it, never-never land. No, he wants you to know he's here to resurrect your dream, blow a fresh wind in your sail, and realize that the chapter of your life is not over. It's a new chapter. Amen? I want to pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you that you're a God of a fresh start. And Lord, there's nothing that happens in our life that doesn't happen, even when things come against us, even when the enemy begins to form his weapons against our life. No weapon formed against us will ever prosper. Today, the Lord breathes fresh life upon us in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. I have a word for you. God wants to bring a fresh joy to both of you. And uh, I I just sensed, as I was, I just saw the Holy Spirit. There's been a season, and you've been in a season of brokenness, things out of control. But I want you to know, God, he said that he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. We're just going to bring life to both of you. You're... You're faithful people. You have been faithful. I don't know where you come, but I sense a faithfulness. You're a mighty man of God. You're a man of integrity. God has come to breathe life into you. He's here to tell you your best days are ahead. The Lord is going to cause you, now listen to me, he's going to cause you to forget. Joseph was in prison. And his first child was named Manasseh, which means the Lord will cause me to forget. Joseph thought his life was over. He was forgotten. But the Lord comes to just breathe fresh life on you. Father, we thank you for this couple. 
We thank you, Lord. The Lord just gives you peace right now. The peace that passes all understanding. We just thank you, Lord, for your peace upon this couple. This is a faithful couple. Lord wants to give you an understanding peace that passes things that you can't even figure out. It's called peace that passes understanding beyond your knowledge. And I just see the Lord bringing you into a place of rest. Amen. Amen. The Lord is for you. Not against you. And he's here to replace the truth with any lie of the enemy. Praise God. There's been a trauma. Yeah, there's been a trauma. But God takes our traumas and turns them into triumph. Amen. There's triumph. You're awesome. Awesome people. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. There's some another thing. Someone here has been experiencing some severe earache. Does anybody have that? A severe earache this morning? Any kind of ear issue, inner ear issue? Okay? Anyone else, too? We've got Shree down here. Just an inner ear. Okay? Praise God. Would you put your hand on your ear? Put your hand inside of your ear that's aching. Now remember what Jesus did. Jesus put his fingers on the eyes of those who were blind. I'm asking you to put your... Now, just put your finger right in there. And I want everyone to say this with me. Open up. Go ahead, say it with me. Open up. Jesus spoke to the mountain, and it was moved. Open up. I speak, Lord, we just speak to the eardrum. We speak to the pain. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Amen. The Lord is just opening up that ear. Amen. How do you feel? Is it the same or better? Go ahead and just yell it out. Is it better? How are you feeling? And if it's not, it's okay. We keep praying. Is it better? Let's give God glory. Amen. You're a little surprised by that, aren't you? Do you know why he does that? Because he loves you so much. Wow. I just feel like the Lord is bringing healing in these areas. Amen. Do you know that this is what what church is supposed to be about? It's his presence. It's Jesus walking through the aisles. It's it's not me up here. It's Jesus meeting you. And by the way, you don't have to wait for a minister or pastor or an elder to pray for you. Even in the corporate presence, God heals, saves, and delivers right now. Amen. My brother in the yellow shirt here. I just got a word for you. God is for you. And his favor is going before you. I know a little bit about your testimony. But I want you to do this. I want you to do what Paul said. Paul said this. It's time to forget what is behind. It's time to press for the mark of the prize of the high God. 
high calling. The blood of Jesus has made you a new creature in Christ. You are a winner. Mike, put your hand on him, would you? Tell him he's a winner. You're a winner. You're a champion. You're blessed. You're favored. God has come to restore your soul and put peace on you. By the way, your eyes have not seen. Your ears have not heard. It hasn't even entered into your heart the things that God has prepared because you love him. You're here today because you need him. You love him, but he loves you first. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. Praise God. God is good. He is good. I want to talk to you about the heart of the Father, the heart of God. Uh, it's actually about God's mercy, the mercy of the Lord. How many of you know we need his mercy? Do you know what the typical thing that people do when they come to church? They try to fix their lives. They try to fix themselves up so they can feel better about themselves. But do you know God doesn't want you to fix yourself? He wants you to come as you are. He wants you to come with all your garbage and all your sin. He's not asking you to fix yourself and try to put things together. He says, come as you are and let me restore you. The purpose of the mercy of God is to show us the Father's heart. God's mercy does three things. God's mercy is what empowers vision. Everyone say vision. Number two, it gives you hope for the future. Number three, God's mercy is what tears walls down that separates you from God's presence and his goodness. I talk to people all the time, and I'm sure you do too. People are going through lots of pain, lots of hurt. They carry with them a lot of baggage in their life. And so they try to fix their lives up. And Jesus wants you to realize that you cannot change yourself by trying harder, by being better, by going to church more, Jesus says, come as you are because I love you where you're at. The Bible says a very important scripture. It says, for God so loved the Christian that he gave his only begotten. Thank you, James. James. James got it. It says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. What's in the world? The world is full of anger and violence and mean people and hurting people and abusive people. God's love is greater than our sin. We know that up here, but it hasn't come down here yet. Because when God's love and his mercy touches us here, rather than just knowing it up here, it changes the way you view life. I no longer look at myself as the victim. I no longer look at myself as a person who's gone through abuse or pain. I begin to actually have compassion. Listen to me. You can't show mercy 
until you've received it. You can't show compassion until you've received his compassion. I love these songs that we were... How many of you love the songs today? You know, I, I, that second song that... I can't remember the lyrics on that. Um, the goodness of God. He is good, good, so good. Do you remember that? He, yes, good. And my, he wants us to know that. He wants it to be a reality. He wants you to walk in that every day. Praise God. Even when you're failing, even when you're weak, even when you've dropped the ball, He is good, good, so good. He's still good. Amen. I'm not coming to church to try to prove anything to God. He's already proved it on the cross. Not only has He forgiven me, but he's given me the power to walk out a transformed life. I'm not trying to get better. I'm already seated in a place of righteousness, acceptance, and blessing, and favor. That's his mercy. His mercy endures till Monday. Oops. His mercy endures forever. Everyone say forever. That's tomorrow and the next day and the next day. His mercy endures forever. See, you were created for fellowship. We've all been separated by sin because of the fall of Adam. But Jesus is the second Adam, and he's restored us back to the Father, and it's because of the blood. It's the blood that was laid over the mercy seat under the old covenant Every time the Father sees you, he sees the blood. And when he sees the blood, he sees your, he sees the righteousness of Christ imputed into you. And because of the blood covering, you have mercy. You have his righteousness. I don't have to come every Sunday and, oh, God, forgive me for all the sins that I did last week. Lord, forgive me, forgive me. No, no. I'm not living in that condition of always repenting from the same thing. Now, if we sin, we have an advocate, we have a defense attorney, but but when you begin to understand God's mercy, it builds a vision in your heart of you seated with Christ as an overcomer. If you see yourself as weak and broken and a victim and a sinner, guess what? That's the level you live at. But when you see yourself righteous, cleansed, an overcomer, more than a conqueror in Christ, when that's your vision because of his mercy and his blood, guess what? You start living at that higher level. I had a coach years ago. I used to be a pole vaulter. I know some of you look at me now and say, Pastor Ray, that could not be. Because pole vaulters are usually thin, fast. I actually used to be a sprinter, if you can believe that. I used to sprint, but I was a pole vaulter. And I'll never forget, I had a coach in my life that was a tremendously faith-building. He believed in the guys that he was, it was in track. And I remember I got stuck at 11 feet, 9 inches. I was able to pole vault up to 11 feet, 9. I wish I had a video to show you. I actually got an old, old, old movie of this. My dad has an old 8 uh, 
uh, millimeter movie of this actually happening. But I, I couldn't get over 11 feet 9 inches. And so I had made up my mind. I'm not going to make it. I, I just can't get over 11 feet 9 inches. Well, one day I was walking and pacing my steps back to make another run. What I thought was 11 feet 9 inches. My coach deceived me. He told the bar boy to raise it up to 11 feet 11 inches, 2 inches higher. But I didn't know he did that. And so I'm standing back there and I'm thinking, and you know, a pole vaulter like any track-filled individual, you, you, you kind of visualize yourself going over. And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I've gone over this before, 11 feet 9 inches. So I'm running down the track with my uh, uh, fiberglass pole and I'm running as fast as I can. I put it in the, the pit kick my leg up and over the bar and I come down on the other side and I cleared it. And my coach does this to me. Ray, come here. And I just thought, why? He says, look at the bar. And I, I was shocked. It was 11 foot, 11 inches. He says, you know why you haven't been able to clear the bar? Because up here you said you couldn't do it. It was because I had a coach that believed in me. I'm here to tell you this morning, you have a God who believes in you. And he believes in you not because you did it or you can do it in your own strength. It's because Jesus has already completed it. When he said it is finished, he was talking about your redemption, your salvation, your deliverance, and he's made a way for you to be a winner in every area of your life. Amen. How many of you know God wants to take us higher? Amen. So what he's going to do is enlarge us this morning. Amen. Everyone say enlarge. It's going to bring increase. Notice what happens here. But we've got to really catch a glimpse of the Father. See, some of us are held hostage to our past. We've come out of abused homes and families and brokenness and being a victim and you just are still hanging on to where you came out of and what you went through and God's saying, listen, you're going to come higher. Let me tell you, every problem, everything you went through that the devil meant to hold you hostage, bound to, is intended to be an opportunity for you to go to a greater place of opportunity ministry and also discernment to be a blessing to other people. Do you know we overcome by the blood of the, of the Lamb and the word of our test, test, testimony? You've gone through a test, and that test was overwhelming. It broke you. It did something in you. But guess what? God's turning it into a victory lap that's going to bring use you in a way to bring healing, compassion to people that are in bondage. Amen? What the devil meant for evil, God takes, turns it around, and brings a victory lap and brings victory into your life. Amen. It's going higher. Now, notice what happens here. You know the text. Jesus here embodied the kingdom of heaven. And when Jesus came, he brought the message of the kingdom. Verse 10, chapter 9, Matthew 9, 10, it says this. And it happened that as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors. By the way, these guys were known as thieves and liars. The Jewish people didn't like them. Jesus sat at the table. 
of tax collectors and sinners. By the way, these were pot smokers, these were drunks, and these were some prostitutes, loose women, loose men. Amen. I'm here to say today that God is coming to somebody's house who's broken. God's coming to somebody's house who does not feel worthy. Jesus is coming to your house. Just like he did here. He sat at the table and he sat down with them and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, he said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now let me just say, share a little biblical old T history. You see, under the Old Testament, the Jewish people were not allowed to go into the house of a Gentile or they would become defiled. Because under the law, if you touch anything, you associate with sinners, you are defiled. How many of you know there's no such thing as good sinners and bad sinners? We're all sinners. But Jesus ate and drank, befriended these people, reached out to them, loved on them, and I'm sure they were slobbering with their booze and their bad breath and their pot and their heroin. By the way, they had drugs back in those days. Jesus put his arm around. Jesus got out of the synagogue, went into the house of a sinner. Here's what grace does. See, under the law, under the Old Testament, if you touched a sinner, sat even in the chair, he touched their clothes, the Jew would become defiled. But under the message of grace, because light overcomes darkness and mercy is greater than sin, whatever you touch becomes clean. But under the law, if you touch what was clean, you were unclean. But Jesus enters enters and uh, brings a new kingdom that whatever you touch and wherever you go, the Bible says it becomes holy. That's why Jesus touched lepers and they became clean, because it was a new day. The Bible even talked about, in, in Corinthians, about a woman. There were women in the book of Corinthians that had unsaved husbands. And, it, and Paul says this, if you are living with an unbelieving husband and you're born again, he says, all of your house is holy because the wife is holy. In other words, light overcomes darkness. Love overcomes evil. So I'm not walking in fear of bad people. No, my light overcomes their darkness. My love overcomes their anger. And I begin to walk in the power of a resurrected life. I'm not living like a victim, living in fear. Jesus has put something in me that greater is he who is within you than he that is in the world. I'm not living under the shadow. I need to get back to church, man. I need to get back to church. No, no, church is inside of me. I'm in church every second. I'm not waiting to get to a collective four walls. See, the Pharisees lived in the four walls because they didn't want to get out in their culture because it was defiled. Jesus got out of the synagogue and took the power of life and love and mercy to a dying culture. That's why we're here this morning to be empowered with the message and empowered with His presence because there are people around you that are broken and hurting and they're waiting for you. You are God's answer to their prayer. You. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're God's answer to someone's prayer. And I know some of you are saying, who, me? Me? 
Not me. Oh, yes, you. You are baptized with the Holy Ghost and power. That's not just to give you a zip. No, the power of the Holy Ghost is you've got a message. You've got a testimony. You've got a word of hope. You're a man. You're a woman of mercy. You're, there's a divine optimism in a pessimistic world. But see, that's all part of my identity as sons. And so Jesus comes and he sits here <laughs> and he begins to eat with these guys. And when Jesus heard what the Pharisees said, he says, those who are well, they don't need a physician. What he was talking about was this self-righteous attitude that the Pharisees had. They say, you know, we're so righteous. We don't, we don't mess with sinners because we're better than other people. But Jesus said that a physician goes to those who are sick. Go and learn what that means for I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The sacrifice of religious activity that tries to show God that I'm worthy of His holiness and righteousness because of all the sacrifices I make for you, Lord, to prove to you that I'm worthy. God says, I don't need your sacrifices because it's not about what you do for Him. It's what He has done for you. So guess what that does? I'm no longer striving. I'm resting. I'm resting in His love. I'm no longer unclean. I'm no longer dirty. I'm no longer broken. I'm whole. I'm healed. Yeah, but pastor, I don't feel whole. Well, guess what? That's why the blood of Jesus and the truth of Jesus exists. Because we walk by faith not by feelings or sight or what. I, I don't allow my circumstances. I don't even allow my weaknesses because sanctification is a process of being changed from glory to glory. I can be born again in a second, but God still has to bring salvation into my soul, which is an ongoing process of growing in the knowledge and walk with God. And so Jesus here says, I didn't come to gather the righteous, but I come to show mercy. Everyone say mercy. Now jump with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. You know this text. It says this in Galatians 6. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any sin or trespass, you who are spiritual, cast him out of your church. Separate him because he is defiled and wicked. Is that what your Bible says? No, it says, those who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, compassion, considering yourself be tempted to fall into the trap of self-righteousness, what it really means. Bear one another's burdens. Fulfill the law of Christ, which is love. If any man thinks of himself to be someone when he is nothing, he has deceived himself. But Jesus is saying here, what Paul is saying, I should say. And here is a man who was a terrorist who destroyed the church. A man who hated Christians, 
who's writing about the mercy of God. I don't know about you. If I was the Holy Spirit, I would not have given Paul because of my lack of understanding. I wouldn't have given a terrorist the right to write the whole Bible. Do you know a terrorist wrote the Bible? A terrorist! Look at your neighbor and say, a terrorist wrote the New Testament. Now I know many of us today, we, we just can't. I can't believe. Why wouldn't God use John and Andrew and Philip, people that are more diplomatic and nice and sweet people and people that were really, really, really good, 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 goody two-choos kind of people. But God takes the worst of the scum, people that were full of anger and hate, and raises them up to be one of the champions of the New Testament church. Why does he do that? Because we as human beings are stuck. And we have a difficult time accepting and receiving the mercy and the love of God. And we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. So you know what we do? We don't say it, but we become judgmental on other people. Man, God, I wouldn't have used Paul. I can't believe that you would use that scum. He killed my family. He destroyed the church. He hated He was a violent vicious man. But isn't it amazing how God can take a beast, a violent animal like Paul was, and turn him into a giant. And God gave Paul the apostle the revelation that we all read about today in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter of the Bible. That's mercy. Don't raise your hands on this question. But I want to ask you, have you ever written anybody off? Don't raise your hands. I don't want to have to pray for you right now. But I have. I've written people off. And God checks me. God says, what are you writing them off for, Ray? Well, God, look what they did. Well, let's look at what you did. Well, wait a minute. Time out, guys. You know, God, I've been to church all my life. Well, wait, t- t- time, time out here. I, I want to share a little story with you. Years ago, when I was in high school, <clears throat> I got my first car, 1964 Chevrolet Impala. I was so glad. Bucket seats, a super sport, awesome car, first car. Had an awesome job at United Telephone Company. And one of the things that I needed, every teenage 16-year-old boy had to have, was music in the car. Now, this is going to really date me. Some of you won't even know this technology. But I had to have an 8-track tape player. Anybody even know what that is nowadays? And so I bought, I I saw in the store a Sony 8-track tape player. This thing, by the way, was a monster. And it sat, it would sit perfectly on the console between my bucket seats, and I had to have it. Oh, I had, it was almost $100, and, and I, I was <clears throat> working at this particular uh, United Telephone Company after school, and, and I, I just thought, man, I wish I had that car. It's a good way to get some girls and Man, if I just had the 8-track tape player, then I could play my Carpenter's music. And uh, Beach Boys. 
And, of course, undercuts and the disciples, and, of course, uh, you know, uh, the Melody 4 Quartet. I know that really dates me, but, I mean, I played both secular and Christian music. Well, I know you guys are looking at me like, Ray, you are really ancient. But I, I just had a, well, at the same time, I was a band member. I, I was the first chair, tr- I used to play trumpet until I blew my lip out, but uh, playing high notes. But I used to be a first chair trumpet player. I used to play trumpet in the band. And every day, we'd have band practice, <clears throat> and this band teacher was begging me to get into band. So I got into band. I was playing trumpet. At the same time, I'm thinking about I'm going to my dad and mom and everybody. Can I borrow some money? I'm going to buy this 8-track tape player. And nobody had any money. Well, while I was in band and was going to practice every day for several weeks, I noticed that on the shelves where they placed band instruments that there was a flute that was always sitting there, this flute in its, in its case. And I knew that a flute was about $120, $30 for this beautiful little flute, but nobody used it. After several weeks, I start thinking, Nobody's using that flute. I think I'm going to take it. If I remember bringing a big old brown paper bag from a store, and I took the flute off the shelf, and I put it in the bag, and I walked to my car, got in the car, went down to the pawn shop and hawked it off, and I had my money for my 8-track tape player. Now, in my mind, isn't it amazing when you sin, how you justify? You know, no, nobody, no, obviously, it's just been sitting there probably, for, and I'm th- it's, it's just probably forgotten. It's an extra flute. The school doesn't need it after all. My parents play, pay enough taxes. Who needs that flute anyway? I mean, this is what I was doing. By the way, I was, I was a Christian. Oh, yeah. And so I went down and I got my eight-track tape player and, At the same time, the Holy Spirit is convicting me. But you know what I did? I just kind of shoved it back. I did, you know, no, no, nobody needed that flute. I just kind of pushed it behind me. My conviction, I got my eight-track tape player installed and I plugged in the carpenters. I had quad sound, four speakers. I'm driving down so proud. And those were the days where my wife, Carol, she was not my girlfriend even at the time. But I took her out on a date. And uh, it was in Portland. I lived in Hood River at the time. But in Portland, there was a concert. Andre Crouch and the disciples were playing at a coliseum. And I decided to take my wife, Carol, on this concert to go down to hear Andre Crouch and the disciples. So I parked my car, and we went into the concert, and I came back after the concert, and guess what? My driver's side window was busted, and somebody had the audacity to steal that 8-track tape player. And I said, God, I can't believe that somebody would do this. I can't believe somebody would steal my 8-track tape player. What kind of an idiot would steal? I'm not kidding you. That's, that was my thinking. Because several months had gone by. I had that 8-track taper, and I just kind of pushed down, you know, that uh, I did anything wrong. Uh, it wasn't wrong until the girl who owned the flute came back to school, and I didn't know 
that she had been in the hospital for several months. And the band teacher said, does anybody know where such and such a flute is? It's missing. And I'm sitting there in my trumpet spot, and I sunk down in my chair. And I just kind of hung my head. And I knew it was me. I did it in secret. No one saw me, but I stole the flute. Do you know the Bible says that we reap what we sow? And I, I was so mad at whoever stole my 8-track tape. I mean, they really messed my console up, messed my car, broke my window. Oh, I was ticked off. And I was mad. And finally, the Lord began to show me, you know, Ray, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to talk to you. And I was angry at the guy who stole my 8-track, but I was the one who stole the flute to get the 8-track. Well, what happens, I never had peace. Never had peace. And uh, years later, I asked the Lord to wash me and cleanse me. I asked the Lord to forgive me. I realized what I did was wrong. And, uh, but it wasn't until after I got married to my wife, about a year into my marriage, one day, I was reading a passage in Proverbs where it says that if a thief steals, he must pay back four times what he has stolen. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says that. And all of a sudden, this conviction hit me. I mean, it's like four, five, six years now has passed. And I had let that go, and the Lord said, I want you to go back to Hood River and find that girl. Now, you know what I th first thought? Oh, that's the law. That's the law. That, that, that can't be God. But I never had peace. So I remember coming to my wife. And by the way, at the time that I took Carol out, when I had the 8-track, I never told her that I stole the flute to get the 8-track. In fact, I never even told my parents that. I just said I came up with the money, but didn't tell him. But isn't it, isn't it amazing the Holy Spirit loves you so much that he will not let you get away with anything? He loves you so much that he wants your conscience cleared. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. And I'll never forget, I went to Carol and I said, Carol, I've got to share something with you. And she said, what? You remember years ago when you and I were on a date? We weren't even dating, but we were on a kind of a friendship, and I was in this concert, and I came back out, and the A-track got, yeah, I remember that. I said, well, I need to let you know the rest of the story. <laughs> and she said, Ray, what did you do that stupid thing for? I said, I don't know, because I was, I was blinded by my lust for an A-track. I wanted to impress the girls. I don't know. I was dumb and stupid. But here's the point. The Lord wants me to reconcile and make it right. What are you going to do? That was years ago, right? I know it's years ago, but I just, I can't let it go. You know, the, by the way, I believe the Lord had already forgiven me. Do you know God will be merciful to you even though, that's what happened when David sinned. When Nathan came back to David and said, the Lord's already forgiven your sin. God's already forgiven you. But there is an important lesson 
about making things right. That's part of the mercy of God, by the way. Part of the mercy of God. So I got $150, which we did not have. I had it, but we had to pull it out of the credit card, turned it into cash, and I went back to Hood River, and they had white pages. Hood River is a small town. I found the family, and I knocked on the door, and when I knocked on the door, this gentleman answered the door. He says, may I help you? I said, are you so-and-so? And he says, yes. And did you by any chance have a daughter that was named so-and-so? And he said, yeah, she's, she's married and she lives in California now. and She's gone. And I said, well, I'm, I'm here to say something to you and to share something and give something to you. Do you remember back several years ago when your daughter was missing a flute? He says, yeah, my daughter was in the hospital. She came back to school and... Her flute was missing. I looked at the man in the eyes and I said, I'm the guy. He said, what do you mean you're the guy? I stole the flute. He looked at me and he said, this is what he did. He didn't say anything. He comes and gives me a hug. And he just hugs me. And I'm standing there like a telephone pole. What are you hugging me for? He says, ever since our daughter's flute was stolen back in those days, we were praying for the person that God would bring healing and restoration to him, even though it was years ago. And he says, young man, we already forgave you. I said, I, I appreciate that, but I need to give you the money for that flute. He says, no, don't, don't worry about it. No, I said, I appreciate that, but I need to do this. I gave him 100, I think it was 125, $150, somewhere in there for the flute. His wife comes in, they both, we all sit down, have an amazing time of conversation. The sweetest people, they were Christians who was praying for me. They didn't even know, whoever the young man is, Lord, Forgive him, for he does not know what he does. But I did know what I did. The Lord, and here's the thing. Had a great time. By the way, they, the parents bought her another flute. But years had gone by. But as I was driving back to Portland, the presence of God filled my car. Just the presence of God. I was just crying. I'll never forget that. And by the way, it cured me from stealing. <laughs> I will not take a penny unless I know where. I'm not kidding you. Once you go through that, you're cured. You will not steal. I, I mean, I said, Lord, but here's the thing. God let me go through that. Allowed me to go. He was still merciful. But he wanted me to grow through the failure. How many of you know God is full of compassion and mercy? Do you know that David was a man after God's own heart? It wasn't about David seeking the Lord. It was that David knew how to come clean with his problems so God 
It's not about coming clean so God can smack you down. No, it's about coming clean so He can heal you. It's about restore. Everyone say restore. See, part of re- sometimes we think restoring is well, just God, God, I, I sin, I forgive me. No, no, God wants us to make it right. Now I know somebody right now. I, I just feel in my spirit. Somebody's feeling. Oh wow, this, this is a tough one. Oh wow. Are you telling me i got to go back years ago? What if they're dead? I hope they're dead. Uh, I hope they're dead, God, so I, I'll, I'll take flowers to the grave. Now, I don't know whether they're dead or alive, but, you know, there's some things we don't have to go like this. It depends on, but the Holy Spirit will speak. But I, I know that I experienced the mercy, not just mercy, but mercy and truth go hand in hand. And I'll tell you what it did. It showed me that God is merciful. He is good. Because it had an impact in my life. Hey, man, are you here with me? I I want you to see something here in Scripture. This is powerful. I I want you to see this in in Psalms 86, verse 3. Psalms 86, verse 3. Notice what David says here in the Scripture. Psalms 86. Verse 3. It says, Bow down your ear, O Lord. Verse 1. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy. Everyone say, I am holy. Here's David confessing when he says, Bow down, because David felt low. Bow down, Lord, your ear. Hear me, Lord, I'm in a depressed state. But David still confessed his righteousness. I want you to hear that. You might have done some wrong things, but you know what? God still sees you as holy. It doesn't say to do holiness. It says be holy. I'm not about doing. I'm about being holy. When you see yourself as holy, guess what? That makes you begin to want to do the right thing. And here David is making his prayer. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Why is he crying all day long? Because there's conviction. There's issues in his life. He's going through a difficult time. And he says, Lord, be merciful, for I'm crying to you all day Rejoice the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are what? Good. And ready. Everyone say ready. He's ready to forgive. He wants you to forgive. I want to tell you something. In my life, I realize one of the reasons why God forgives me is so I can forgive others. To the extent that you've received mercy is the amount that you'll give mercy. He says this, you're ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to those who call upon you. Now, when you begin to call upon the Lord and you cry out for mercy, many times God will often use weaknesses and issues in your life to not expose a problem in your life, but because he wants to show you his mercy. 
Do you know God knew that I was going to steal that flute? He knew it before I, I knew it. He knew that I'd be attracted to this hate track. He knew all of it. But God used it for his glory. Some of us disqualify ourselves and say, well, you're disqualified, you thief, you scum. You cheater, you hid your sin. No, we know that when you hide your sin, it only hurts you. But God brings things to light so he can cleanse you. Well, Pastor Red, sounds like you're kind of giving us a license to sin. No. The wages of sin does produce death. And you know what? I never had peace for several years. I remember that thought coming to mind. It was the Holy Spirit. Remember when you stole the fruit, flute? Remember when you stole the flute? I'd have that, and I would just kind of shove it away. And then I would justify myself. And the Lord says, no, Ray. That's not the way you handle the problem. You confront it. You ask for mercy so I can cleanse you from the condemnation. Do you know that Satan holds you in bondage to everything that you hold a secret? Anything in darkness you are bound with. But when you bring it to the light, Jesus can cleanse you and heal you and restore you. Amen? That's in your marriage. That's in your life. Notice just a couple more scriptures, and I am done. Jump with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Two scriptures, and I'm done. 1 Timothy, and then I'm going to give you 1 Timothy chapter 1. I love what Paul says this. Verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, the Lord, who has enabled me and counted me faithful. This terrorist, murderous, violent animal that he was. God says he counted him faithful. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're faithful. Not because of what you do, but it's because of what he did. Although I was, although, although I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, I was a violent man, but I obtained what? Mercy. What is the mercy of the Lord? The mercy of the Lord shows us the love of the Father. It shows us that God is more willing to heal than to rub your sin in your face. God wants to heal you. You know why he wants to heal you? So you can be a vessel of healing to people who offend you. God's not interested in healing you so you can just have a merry little life. No, he heals you, restores you, so you can in turn bring healing and life to others. I hate to tell you, but I don't enjoy sharing my st testimony that I was a thief on one side, but I know the Holy Spirit said, share that testimony. Why? It's so that you can know that no matter how low you go, no matter how deep you go in sin, even if you're in the belly of a whale, God is there. And he's there to hear your cry, and he's ready to forgive and bring you out like Jonah and say the word of the Lord comes a second time. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of a fresh start. Amen? Paul says, I obtained mercy. Not just mercy, because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundant 
with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, even Christians who steal or people that have issues of whom I am the chief, the chief of sinners. However, for this reason, everyone say this reason. For this reason, I obtain mercy. What's the reason that God shows you mercy? That in me, first, Jesus might show all long suffering and a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Why does God show mercy to you? Because he's going to use your testimony to show God's goodness to those who don't believe God can go that deep, that can go that low. You may feel pretty low, pretty filthy, pretty sick, pretty sinful. God used Paul as an example to let everybody know that if God is that long-suffering and patient and willing to forgive, if he can do it to me, he can sure do it to you. He didn't give you a testimony so you can just sit there and be quiet about it. He showed mercy. That's why God loves the worst of sinners. That's why he ate with him. What was he doing? Let me close by this. Why does God show mercy to you? Number one, to let your light shine in others about how patient and long-suffering and empowering you can be to those who are around you. Secondly, mercy tears down walls of division. It opens, it helps people open up. It tears their walls of fear down and insecurity. And they can boldly come to the throne of grace when there's no walls. See, we have walls. We have walls. We have walls we don't even know we have. We have walls around us to protect us. We have walls in our marriage. We have walls in the church. We have walls in our job. We have walls. We build walls because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of fear. We're afraid of being labeled. We're afraid of being isolated. We're afraid. That's where the mercy of God comes in. He comes in to show mercy so you can realize that what Satan meant for evil, how the devil has held you hostage in your bondage and sin, that he can raise you up to be a testimony of his love and kindness and goodness and faith and love. So people around you can say, wow, if God can do that for you, there's hope for me. Guess what? Your testimony is not for you. It's for others. Number three, mercy empowers vision. And dreams. When people have no mercy flowing in their life, they stop dreaming. You know why? Because they don't think there's any hope. God can't use me. There's too much, there's too much baggage in my life, so I've given up dreaming. I've given up hoping. I don't have any more dreams anymore. So you give up and you exist. God needs you to experience his mercy. See, God's love is greater than your sin. It's, it's something that you can't just hear and believe here. You've got to experience and the only way you experience it down here is when you come clean with him. Father, 
I've got deception. I've got lies. I've got secrets. I've got pain in my life. I want to be cleansed. And he'll answer that prayer. Amen? One last scripture. Or no, no, let me finish this out. Long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him forever lasting life. One last scripture, Hebrews chapter 4. And with this I'm done. Hebrews chapter 4. And you know this text. It says this, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. If you need mercy, we have to come how? Boldly. I need to come with faith, believing. He didn't say come when you're strong and doing well. He said come when you're in need. I need His mercy. Mercy is what empowers grace. I need His grace. That's divine anointing and life. Amen? Let's bow our heads this morning. Maybe some of you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I need the mercy of the Lord. I know God wants me to know and walk in His goodness, His faithfulness, and life. And I know that there's walls in my life, walls of insecurity, fear, pain. I've been hurt. This morning, God wants to heal and restore you. Do you know only healthy people bring and impart health in other people? Broken people hurt people. But whole people bring healing and life. Jesus wants you to come to the light and not hide in the darkness of shame or fear or rejection anymore. It's time to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy because our Heavenly Father brings out the best in you. That's what mercy does. It brings out the best. It did that for the Apostle Paul. This violent, angry man brought out the best That's what mercy does. It restores us and makes us whole. Maybe this morning they say, you know, Pastor Ray, I've been hurt. I've been wounded. Maybe there's issues in your life, secrets. The Lord wants you to experience His mercy. That's you. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. Anyone out there, I see your hand. see your hand. I need His mercy this morning. Anyone else? I know they're... Maybe more. Okay, I need His mercy today. His mercy endures forever. Can we all stand to our feet this morning, please? His mercy endures forever. Everyone say that with me. His mercy endures forever. Say it one more time. His mercy endures forever. His mercy only doesn't just endure when you're doing well. His mercy endures when you're doing wrong. Because His grace is stronger than your sin. But you may say, well, why does He give me His mercy? It's His mercy. It's His goodness that leads us to repentance. It's all about transformation. 
He doesn't show mercy to give you a license to sin. He gives you mercy and love because it's His mercy that leads us to change. It tears down the walls of fear. I'm no longer hiding in the dark. I'm no longer running from shame. I'm healthy. I'm whole. I'm restored. I feel I want to just, and our leaders, if they could come, I want to just pray. If you need the mercy of the Lord, you need an impartation of the mercy of the Lord, I want you to come. Let us pray. If our leaders, you know, it's James and Claire and John, Kathy, David, our other leaders, you come down. Even right now, just come. Let me pray with you. If you need the mercy of the Lord this morning, there's nothing to be afraid, nothing to be ashamed of. Just need the mercy of the Lord. You need the goodness of God. What's going to happen is there's going to be an impartation. God is here to impart a double honor of his blessing. He's here to let you know he's for you and he's not against you. Amen? He's for you, not against you. He's not holding his love back. Like the father of the prodigal, he says, son, it's time to come home. It's time to stop running. It's time to come home to the father. Can we all lift our hands? We're going to pray right now. Father, we thank you and we, re- we receive your love. We receive your mercy this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, as David bowed himself down, called upon the Lord, he received your mercy because you were ready to forgive, ready to restore, ready to heal, ready to resurrect our dream and our visions. Resurrect that gift in our life that Satan has bound us with a lie. Lord, I pray right now that mercy, which has covered this congregation, as John talked about, as we begin to pray, the violence will stop. As we begin to pray and seek the Lord, His presence will come and restore all things new. He makes all things new. Father, we receive your love in Jesus' precious name. I just feel the Lord right now told me this. I'm breaking the orphan spirit off this house. He's breaking that orphan spirit and he's just putting that spirit of sonship. You're his sons. You're his daughters. And there's nothing to be afraid of anymore. He loves you. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, he loves you abundantly. Would you do that? Loves you abundantly. He cares about you. God bless you.